Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. live and heard around the world you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet welcome to the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts eric balkman and Farrell elliott the high stakes fantasy football hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world and now because no one else was available here's eric balkman and Farrell elliott Greetings and salutations, all you bulkaholics and Ferelliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Falkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I apologize for the audio snafu. It is totally on my end. But the real question that everybody's wondering, how was the commission's Thanksgiving? You know, it was great, Balky. Thank you very much. And, yeah, we compromised the system by the massive st- statistical need to review the scoring of Raider kicker Daniel Carlson. So, you know, there's a, it's understanding <laughs> that some of our uh, so, some of our electronics uh, might not be working. But, hey, no, it was great. It was one of the best days I've had in this house in a couple of years and a uh, wonderful family that I have to thank for that. And it was just a – Terrific day of football. I heard from uh, fancy players, and, uh, former clients, current clients, uh, kids in college, and people. You know, even from um, I had a guy call in from uh, London and a, and a dear friend, a, a lovely girl, call in from France. And did people recognize that you know football and, and family and that day is 
just very, very meaningful here. So thank you for asking. It was great. And I could tell by looking at the, pay, uh, the uh, posting on Facebook that the Bachman crew was ready for their own sort of brand football in the front yard. <laughs> yeah, it was. that was fun. And I'll tell you this, and as long as you're going to give me the opportunity to brag, I'm going to. This is the first time we had the opportunity to participate um, it was my son who is in second grade and six, seven of his buddies. I can't remember exactly how many were there and their fathers, myself included. We got together early um, on Thanksgiving morning for a little Turkey bowl uh, uh, to football it. action. And um, now I, I, when I played in high school, I played both ways, but primarily I was a corner and um, fittingly enough, my team was seemingly always on defense in this in this thanksgiving uh game and i was i was started off in man coverage and then we switched to zone and i kind of baited the quarterback uh late deep in the game to throw it to my son in the end zone mm. and, and and i had i had i had a split second to think about it i'm like do i let my son potentially catch a game-winning touchdown or do i go for it all well instinct took over i jumped the route pick six to end the game for years truly my son thought it was awesome uh, but I do feel a little bit bad about not letting him have the opportunity to catch the game-winning touchdown, but that'll come. I just instinct took over. What can I say? Um, a complete so that, year that... of living in guilt is what you're now <laughs> facing. And there's another one thing that I think that that uh, – I think Uncle Leroy should uh, uh, should anchor the defensive line in this event next year. So I would uh, make sure that uh, Leroy is with you uh, for this. It, yeah, well. I mean, if his if his knees can hold up, can't nobody block that dude. He will be a terror um, for the quarterback that he's facing. So I totally agree on that. Um, that is uh, that was how my Thanksgiving went. I'm glad to hear yours went well. Hopefully all the listeners went well as well. And we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to wrap about whether Cole Komet is an every week start in FFPC leagues. We're going to talk about whether J.D. McKissick is getting enough action to be in your lineups this weekend. And then the ninth place team owner in the Football Guys Players Championship, Matt Breeden, is going to make an appearance and talk about the Ravens' backfield, the philosophy of stockpiling running backs, and much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balsman. Of course, Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship is at KFFSC.com. Please post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash HSFFR. And if you want to give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com. If you do have any questions for us, Send them in now. We're going to try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up at the end of the show today. Our thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend, Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Farrell, let's get to it here tonight. Number one, was there ever any doubt that your Raiders were going to pull that game out at Jerry World in Dallas yesterday? Fascinating game, and, and yeah, it was in doubt. But the Raiders, uh, I think the theme around football is, is the bounce-back performance for a lot of teams that look like they can't get it together, look like the whole season has passed them by, and all of a sudden it doesn't matter if they're on the road. All three road teams won a Thursday. doesn't matter where you're playing football. It just seems to matter what the guys in the locker room decide that they're going to do and what the coaches scheme up for them. Uh, the Raiders came ready to make the uh, – uh, trying to make the Cowboys throw the ball, and despite their problems in the secondary with the uh, uh, consistent uh, pass interference uh, calls, they they managed to figure out a way to win that game. 
Um, it was exciting. It was the game of the day. I thought that was going to be the most exciting game of the day, and it turned out to be uh, as much. It's tough Easy. to say that Bears that Bears Lions game went down to the final snap, but it was not nearly as exciting as that Cowboys Raiders game. Okay, uh, let's talk about. Well, number one, by the way, the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, brand new once again this week. Craig Bowden Miller, the 43rd place team in the FFPC main event, was this week's guest. You can check that out at rotoviz.com/podcast. Good stuff from Craig there. A little dynasty, little mid mid year dynasty insight from Craig on that, considering how many dynasty teams he plays. That was a lot of fun. And check that out, rotoviz.com/podcast. All right. Talked about the Cowboys Raiders. Let's continue the conversation. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network says the Cowboys may alter Ezekiel Elliott's usage while he is trying to get healthy from that bruised knee. According to Rappaport, that knee injury could be with Elliott all season if the team does not give him ample rest. Ezekiel Elliott, nine carries, 25 yards, and a touchdown. He did catch six passes for 24 yards. That definitely helped you out in the FFPC as well as the KFFPC. Yes, sir. Uh, his backup, Tony Pollard, 14 touches for 68 yards, also getting that 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. We've had people come on this show, the road of his high-stakes slowdown, telling you <clears throat> for almost two years now that Tony Pollard looks like the more uh, explosive running back in that offense with Dallas. And if this is the case, Rappaport was saying that Dallas could, quote, flip the roles a little bit between Elliott and Pollard. So this is interesting, Farrell. I don't think anybody who drafted Elliott, as long as he's active, is going to sit him. But Tony Pollard, is he creeping up into the top 20 running back territory uh, for you right now? Well, yes, and, and I don't have him anywhere, and the people that do have him, this is the magic moment that they've waited for, Balky. It's not a question of whether this becomes a flex player. This becomes their starting running back because they're not going to miss the opportunity, anyone that's drafted Pollard, uh, to get him in the lineup. And, and I saw a later report today, uh, you might see yeah, – mention how much validity it perhaps has, but there's even conversation now of Ezekiel going on injury reserve uh, for three days, uh, three games. So it's a a situation that uh, we could go at this story from from many different ways. I think the way that that I want to go at it is is I want to remind, uh, I want to remind everyone of one thing. It is easier to be uh, a complimentary player. It is easy to sub in for the guy and make your statement in subbing for him whether, rather than being the guy. And that's what Tony Pollard's going to ask. If, if, if Zeke is on the sidelines for any of these games, but you're, you know, you're attacking it from the idea that, that the roles may change, it, 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 which is very difficult to to assign how that's going to look. But let's say the roles flip. Let's just stay with it like that. Let's say Zeke is not on uh, the IR. Balky, when you come to Zeke, you're talking about a guy that's twice hit 70 snaps this year. He adds his average is 55. Many times he's in the 60s. Uh, Tony has never hit 30. Pollard has never hit 30 snaps in a game. And sure, he looks explosive because he's not asked to do a whole lot in the game except go in and look explosive. I'm not so sure how he's going to handle that blocking assignments with this team, and people might roll their eyes at that because I think our fantasy players are expecting him to come out and be the number one back, do all the things that's necessary for him to do, and still be this kind of explosive 
pass-catching, complimentary player. And you can't be both. No one can be both in this league. And so I would temper my expectations for what I would expect Pollard to do given an expanded role. Would he be as good as Zeke? Perhaps, but I doubt it. Would he be as good around the goal line? Uh, Can he score the ball? You know, Pollard's had one touchdown this year. 531 yards rushing, one touchdown. We don't know what he can do around the goal line. He's a very good back. He's a very talented player. What does it do to the team? You know, we're not going to see any more touchdown uh, kickoff returns um, because he won't be doing the job. And then finally, I would look at it like this. New Orleans, uh, it's been difficult for anyone to run against them. That's the team that's on the schedule next. If you watched uh, Dak throw the ball in trying to connect with these receivers, the second group of wide receivers who played very, very well, especially Gallup, um, you could see that Dak has some problems. And so I would, if I was trying to scheme defense, I would, I would try to make it Dallas throw the ball against my defense. And he's going after New Orleans. He's got Washington twice and uh, the New York Giants once. So there, there's some defenses that uh, you can run the ball against. Perhaps that figures into this decision. And I guess the last thing I would say about it, we, we watched C.D. Lamb, who probably, I have a sneaking suspicion, could have played and might have played if you didn't have such a substantive lead uh, in the division uh, for the Cowboys. Cowboys are going to win this division. They're going to hang on and win it, and they're going to win it by a couple games. I think that's what they're trying to do. They're looking at these fresh-legged running backs that are coming in uh, back after some time off. They're impressive, and I think that's the script that they're trying to write for Ezekiel. So that's about all I can say about that, and that's probably too much, but uh, I like Pollard. I'm looking forward to see what he can do. But we've got a guy that's making $850,000 replacing a player that's on a $90 million contract. And I don't think the Cowboys believe he can replace it uh, with the same production. Uh, good knowledge there, for sure. And remember, um, the, the Cowboys and Saints, uh, fresh off their Thanksgiving game, they play again next Thursday night on Thursday Night Football. So it will be interesting. This will be the last time we get the chance to, to talk to you guys here um, on this program um, regarding the Cowboys and Saints game next week because it will have already taken place by, by the next time um, we air again. So I think the thing to me is, for, for high-stakes owners, if Elliott is active, I, I own Elliott in a ton of leagues, you know, seven or eight leagues probably, it's going to be very, very difficult for me to sit him. Um, if if uh, he's active and they're saying he's he, he's he's going to play significantly, I still would give some credence to Tony Pollard um, mm-hmm. um, as as a flex option this week. And and Farrell, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that sort of how you're reading it as well? With, when if when you, next week comes around, would Pollard be a flex for you? If you've got them both, play them both. I, and I give some credence to this idea of uh, putting Zeke on IR because. I, I don't think you can keep this player on the sidelines. I don't, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you take him out of this role. Uh, if he's hurting, he's hurting. You know, the rules now allow for a three-game IR, uh, and, and that's that's truly what I would do with him if I wasn't going to play him very, very close to his role. So, All right. yeah. 
All right, so let's move on and, and talk about uh, Cam Newton here for a second as far as how it relates to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Matt Rule says there's, quote, no issues with Cam Newton's arm strength. This was a report in The Athletic we saw uh, this, this past week. Now, remember, um, Cam Newton's had uh, more than one uh, shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder in the last few years. Um, he normally would be able to bomb the, field, uh, the ball downfield no problem. Think about Steve Smith and, and originally DJ Moore, right, in his rookie year. Um, but uh, this past week, 21 to 26, 189 yards. That's 7.26 yards per attempt uh, in, in week 11 against the football team. But only one of those passes came uh, for more than 19 yards. Matt Rule said this was part of Joe Brady's uh, offensive uh, game plan uh, this game, that um, he historically this season has been an underneath guy. And, and that's the way that they have been at- attacking teams. But Rule did say it, they want to push the ball downfield. He doesn't want to put it on Cam Newton. Um, and, and I guess we're kind of at a standstill right now. Um, I think Cam Newton makes a pretty good start this week. But as far as DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, Farrell, how do you see this Cam Newton throwing strength um, situation affect them? Uh, is this a non-story or is this something to be concerned about if you're trotting these guys out there? I think it's a very real story, especially if you're in the DJ Moore business. And what after seeing the type of passing attack that they used against uh, Washington Football Club, who I think is 27th defending the pass, and and you come out with your DJ Moore with five catches on 50 yards, it looks to me like uh, the slant route is basically the only thing that he's got going with Newton. So that may be expanded on, but. Uh, yeah, I question a lot of what's going on here. If I'm a defender uh, working in the coaching side, I'm going to come with my defense. I'm going to try to cause chaos for Nora uh, more. I'm going to push him around a little bit. I'm going to bracket him a little bit. I'm going to make him uncomfortable in the game and make Newton throw the ball to someone else. I see a lot of checkdowns coming to McCaffrey now, and you know that's no big news. He's caught 21 passes in the last three games, and uh, I expect that to continue in or could suffer if if you don't sometimes try to target him uh, down the field. It could be a very frustrating time for DJ Mahomes. Uh, let's um, talk about a not very frustrating time, which is the the time of this portion of, of the show where we bring in our high stakes expert, our high stakes guest. And this week we are uh, we have a good one here, and I think we have him on the line right now. Uh, he's a 38-year-old Canadian who works for Veterans yeah. Affairs Canada. Started with Yahoo Fantasy Baseball Farrell in 2004 wow. just because his friends needed an extra player. He started winning go. that league, started doing more cash leagues in 2006, went from $25 buy-in to $100 buy-in to high stakes with the NFBC and NFFC back in 2015. Didn't come off great in baseball in 2015, but had a huge NFFC season, winning their 2015 online championship overall. 2016 and 2017 kind of uh, um, took his lumps more in the high-stakes game. Um, but uh, 2018, very profitable year, the first year he played in the FFPC. 2019, again, a little bit of regression to the mean, but 2020, the NFBC Sprint online championship, which featured 1,000 teams, and ninth place overall in the Football Guys Players Championship heading into this week, week 12. Please welcome into the show, Matt Breeden. Matt, thank you so much for making some time for us tonight, and a belated happy Thanksgiving to you. Oh, thank you, you as well. Thanks for the kind introduction, and uh, it's a pleasure to be talking with you. 
just curiously, you know, it, it sounded like you started off as a baseball guy. What, what turned you on to football? Uh, just playing uh, with the same guys I was playing fantasy baseball with. Uh, they needed a guy for the football league, and uh, I think it was 2007 was my first year playing fantasy football. I still remember my first first-round pick was Rudy Johnson off the oh, Bengals, yeah. yes. and he, he got me off to a good start. So, um, that number one, that's fantastic. I, I can't even remember. I, I started playing fantasy football in 94, I want to say, and I could not tell you. So many people have come on the show, they remember their first first-round pick, and I honestly don't remember. You know what's funny? He's former co-host of the show, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak. I know his first first-round pick ever was Terrell Davis back in the, in the late 90s. I don't even know my own, which is so funny about that, that I know his and, and not. But in any event, um, before we get into the fantasy football uh, uh, segment of the show, Matt, I want to congratulate you on getting into the top 10 of the Football Guys Players Championship after 11 weeks of play. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing for Veteran Affairs Canada? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I uh, work for Veterans Affairs Canada. Like you said, I work for the Access to Information Department. Uh, we deal with all our veterans up here as well as our RCMP veterans. Uh, so they, they send requests over. They have different types of requests I deal with. And, uh, yeah, it's an honor to be servi- uh, servicing those those folks. I've got a great, great uh, amount of admiration for them. And my boss is a veteran as well. So, I get to work with one. So, yeah, I really uh, enjoy that part about the job. That is terrific, Matt. Where where do you live? I live in uh, Cornwall, Prince Edward Island in the Maritimes. Have you ever heard of Prince Edward Island or ever been? Yes, yes. I've never been, but yes, I've heard. But maybe you should illuminate some of our listeners. Okay. Uh, population is less than 150,000. Uh, you got to take a bridge used to be a ferry, but we have a, a bridge uh, that we built in the late 90s. Um, it's a beautiful spot in the summer. It's like a lot of Canada. We get a lot of winter up here, but uh, I like it. Can't complain. Can't complain. I, I love uh, America as well, but uh, Canada is pretty good country as well. You are in a very relaxed attitude to enjoy. I, I can see you just setting out in the Maritimes enjoying your baseball and uh, and watching your teams. Just move up. So congratulations with your uh, football team. And for Balky, and, and for a lot of us, forget, but when do the Canadians actually uh, celebrate Thanksgiving? Uh, it's in October. It's, uh, there you go, Balky. So that's a very belated. You gave him a belated happy <laughs> Thanksgiving. But it's a very belated happy uh, You guys do it right. You guys do it right down there. You guys, uh, yeah, we should wait till you guys do it and just try to do it the same time you do it, I think. Well, well Matt, you know what you I know. would do if I were you? I mean, I don't think there's any question. I, if I live in Canada, I'd be celebrating in October and November. I'd be doing it twice for sure. I <laughs> am for sure. I had the games on yesterday. I, I was working uh, for a little bit of it, but, yeah, the games were on. I was enjoying Thanksgiving anyways. Hey, you've um, enjoyed one thing in uh, – uh, I want to get right into some, some football commentary. You have really enjoyed quarterback – Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, and, and I'm beginning to enjoy watching the games because it was such a polarizing, ugly start as an NFL quarterback, but it never was ugly in the fantasy points he's putting up. Now they they seem to have intersected, and he's playing well, uh, both running the ball and passing the ball, and uh, it, it's uh, 
the fantasy numbers have stayed consistent, so consistent that he's uh, right with Brady and Mahomes uh, right uh, right in scoring fantasy points at the quarterback position. So I got a couple questions for you. Did is this the kind of season that you anticipated from this player? Did you go in to say I want Jalen Hurts, or were you saying I really want a dual threat quarterback? Because I had a lot of guys that said, you know, they take Hurts, they take Tannehill. Some of them, God forbid, were even taking Trey Lance. Um, how did you go? How did you end up with Hurts as often as you did? And what do you see forthcoming for him for the balance of the season? Well, I went into every draft and I wanted two guys. I wanted Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance. And uh, Trey Lance hasn't worked out so well. Uh, still, holding out, still holding out hope that he gets a couple starts and just to see what he looks like, really. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I wanted Jalen Hurts in more leagues, and I ended up with him. Uh, I did three FFPCs. I know quarterbacks go a little bit later. The first one, he just I got sniped on him. And the second one, Lamar Jackson fell to me in, the, I think, the eighth round, so I didn't get a chance wow. to take him in that one. So I was pleased to get Hurts in the, the third F, FPC because I, he was definitely a guy I had attention for in every draft. I just I felt you know, a lot of people did. He, he kind of reminded us of uh, Lamar Jackson two years ago. And uh, there was some talk in the preseason about him maybe not being named the starting QB. I think that kind of held his price in check, and there was a little mm-hmm. bit of – Neg- negative talk that was going on. Uh, I have a question for you guys. Did, did the Eagles now, with their three first-round picks, looks like they're going to have if the, if the Colts end up giving Wentz 75% of the snaps, which looks like it's going to be the case, do they take a quarterback with one of those first-round uh, first picks, or do they just build around uh, Jalen Hurts? Because that's looking more, more and more like an option, isn't it? Balky, you got inside on that one? Well, I don't. I think I. I don't have any insight. I. I, I can tell you what my gut tells me, and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you. You probably have more insight than me. For me, what I'm seeing with Hertz and what I'm seeing from this Eagles team, I would think that they would use those first round picks to build around Hertz and build up that defense because I think they got a pretty good one in Jalen Hertz right now. Um, I know at the start of the season they weren't sold on him. Even you know a month into the season, it sounded like they still weren't sold on him. But I think if I'm part of the Eagles brass, I've seen enough. I'd rather use those a- assets elsewhere. What do you think? All the all the college quarterbacks so far, and there may be some emerge. We've Senior Bowl one of my favorite weeks of the year, even more so than the combine. I think that's where a lot of quarterbacks emerge. But a lot of this group looks to me to be a bunch of uh, Mike White's, a player we're all familiar with, a guy yeah. you can get in the middle round and play. That's kind of what this entire draft class looks like to me. And so I'm uh, I'm very comfortable if I'm in the Eagles front office of, of saying, look, we made a we made a good decision. We we uh, we've got our quarterback. Matt, do you have a um uh, in uh, in Prince Edward Island? Do you have a, a favorite NFL team? Do you root for any team up there? Uh, I'm a Russell Wilson fan, so I I kind of cheer for Seattle, which is kind of not very much fun recently. And I think it's <laughs> going to end soon because I think he's going to be going somewhere else pretty soon. I, I was. Uh, Chargers fan before him because he's a huge Ladanian Tomlinson fan, but uh, just kind of follow players really. So I followed the Chargers when LT was in his heyday, and then I kind of switched to the Seahawks when uh, Beast Mode and Russell Wilson and 
that's kind of who I still half-heartedly cheer for, but just follow players, really. Well, one of the players I'm sure you're following is LaVisca Chenault, given that you have him starting uh, for you at a flex spot in your ninth place overall football guys team right now. And that's over Damian Harris. Damian Harris, who you have on the bench currently, who is playing the Titans this week. Just kind of curious, how did you come to that decision, Chenault over Harris? I mean, did the Jamal Agnew injury factor into that at all? And do you think it's likely to change before 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday? Yeah, the Agnew uh, injury is the key thing. I'm hoping, and well, the the real key is if they put him in the slot, which is I'm probably gonna have to wait till Sunday to find out if they do. Uh, Damian Harris is a little less exciting to me with the the emergence of Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson, and I'm just a little uncertain how that's gonna work out. He'll probably get his touchdown and. He'll be a safe play, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by Chenault this week. Um, it's still something I might uh, go down to the wire on, but uh, as of now, yeah, I'm leaning towards Chenault. I like the matchup against the Falcons. I, I think they got to get some points at some point. That, that'll be a, there, there'll be some points scored in that game, I think, and I think Chenault has got as good a chance as any to you know catch seven or eight passes. And that's a little more exciting to me than what I think Damian Harris will do, which is probably split the, the carries with Stevenson and maybe get a touchdown and 60, 70 yards or something like that. Can I just real quick kind of follow up, Farrell, before you ask, just real quick kind of follow up, and, and Kern Reeves bringing this up in, in the chat right now. Ramondre Stevenson uh, was actually added to the Patriots injury report on Wednesday. He's officially listed as questionable. If you look at that game, um, Matt, and you find out that Stevenson is indeed inactive, is Harris the slam dunk start over Chenault at that point? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like I, I don't really set my lineups at this point of the week, so I would right. factor yep. that in for sure. Uh, right now, if Stevenson is playing, uh, that's, like I said, that's I'd be leaning towards Chenault. But if, uh, if, if, if Stevenson sits out, I probably will just feel safer about Harris. And at that point, he's, I think they're going to probably easily beat the Titans and they'll probably be running the ball a lot either way. So it, you could argue that Harris is a safer play, even if Stevenson does play, because he's, he's a good chance to get a touchdown in a game like that. But I'm just a little intrigued by Chenault. Uh, if you look at, at my draft, uh, I reached for Chenault. I took him over some pretty good players. I was just looking at my uh, draft results and and uh, looking at some of my my bad decisions. Uh, one of them was <laughs> taking Chenault when Jamar Chase was still on the board, as I'm sure uh, would pop out off the board to, to, to anybody. Uh, yeah, I'm I reminded every time I look at a, a draft board, all the bad bad uh, choices Don't I made look. just jump off the board to me. Yeah, it's, it's hard, man. Don't it's hard not back. to... I never look at the good good picks. It's always the bad ones that just jump out the board. Oh, Bucky, that is. So I feel like Kern Reeve, by the way, we'll see. Hudson Kern Reeve is always on top of the news. Thank thank God for Hudson. He's the best. It doesn't surprise me. I knew before Bucky asked you that question. I mean, as soon as I heard the two players leave his lips, I knew immediately who you were pick. You were going to pick a wide receiver that that looks like a running back because I, in looking over your ninth place overall team, you chose eight running backs. I mean, and then you chose Chenault, who's built like a running back to play wide receiver. I, you know, I really the success that I've had this year 
it's been kind of what I call my heavy teams. Uh, extra tight ends, usually an elite one or one who's knocking on the door of being elite, maybe as many as three of them, uh, at least six running backs. And it's been by design, not by accident. It's not like the running backs fell to me. But I did, never had a roster where I had eight running backs. And I'm, I'm curious, is that something that that you went in, you went, you had your quarterbacks that you wanted, you knew you could get them later. Is is the eight running back idea something that you embraced and you said, look, I'm going to go heavy and I'm going to have these guys and, and I'm going to uh, go forward with making the decision of, of uh, which four to start uh, every week and I'm going to have great depth. How did you arrive with eight running backs of all things? Uh, well, I just had a tension after – the, the RB2s that I wanted slipped, and I had to wait till round six to get Damian Harris. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of view still Damian Harris as a guy I don't really want to start. Ideally, I'd have, like, uh, an injury to a Dalvin Cook and be able to start Alexander Madison, or I'd be able to start even Devontae Booker uh, if Saquon's out. Yeah. Or now that now that Zeke's banged up, I, I can maybe play Tony Pollard. Those guys are just there more exciting go. to me than Damian Harris, so I like having – uh, guys like that on my bench where they can really help out big time for maybe two or three weeks a season. And uh, so I've got, I've got eight of them. I'm going to have to drop one of them going into the, to the playoffs uh, for, you know, just some backups. Uh, it's going to hurt to drop you, at least one of them. It's going to yeah. hurt you. Darryl. I don't know. Gonna... Yeah. I'll have to go down to seven. But uh, yeah, I just I didn't I didn't like Damian Harris. I liked uh, I liked my wide receivers, and I liked having Pitts. And I, I figured I'd be able to to figure out the quarterbacks. Uh, but I just uh, yeah, I like to have a lot of running backs when I'm not really comfortable with the second guy I'm putting in each week. We are talking with the uh, ninth place team owner in the Football Guys Players Championship heading into Week 12 here on the HSFF Power. It is indeed Matt Breeden along with myself. Uh, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Let's kick uh, things over to the chat room because Kern Reeve has had a ton of good questions in there, and I told him we'd get to them, and now we are going to get to them as, as many as we can right now. So the first one that we're going to lead off with um, is indeed. Um, I want to skip. We're going to get the uh, we're going to get to the Packers question in a little bit, um, but uh, he wants to know. Uh, Matt, what can we expect from Dontrell Hilliard this week uh, as far as fantasy points goes? Uh, go, would he be a good flex for you this week um, in uh, in football guys leagues uh, or anything like that uh, for Tennessee? Knowing that Adrian Peterson is now on the waiver wire and Hilliard led the Titans in snaps and touches last week. Yes, yes, he will be, and I can tell you why because I'm. I'm playing against Chad Schroeder in uh, primetime this week, and he's flexing him. So, you know, Hilliard's <laughs> going to go for 18 at, at least. Uh, I, I, I was after Hilliard a little bit this past week, too. I did get him in one league. I'm not sure if I'm going to – I probably will flex him just because Schroeder's facing me, and he'll probably pop off against me because of that. Uh, I, I feel – yeah, you, you, should, you should feel comfortable. If he's playing Chad, him, you should feel comfortable playing him. Yeah, no, you, yeah I totally get that. Chad Schroeder, by the way, in uh, Kentucky – this past week in one of the leagues I was playing against him in the KFFSC defeated me by a mere 10 points to earn the fourth seed and the final playoff seed in that main event. Oh, that Chad Schroeder. Uh, He is a guy that, yeah, it's what he does. It's what he does. And I'm fine with it. It it is what it is. We're moving on. All right. Another question. Good thing he's a good guy. 
Yeah. And uh, speaking of moving on, let's talk about this, guys. This is a tough question. I'm not sure if I have a good answer for it, despite this being a Green Bay Packers question. But Hudson Kern-Reeve wants to know, if you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, especially if you only have one, given that they play the 425 game this week against the Los Angeles Rams, how do you handle them for fantasy? Do you roll the dice and hope Aaron Jones is active? Do you, uh, for sure, is A.J. Dillon a, a, a slam dunk start no matter what? Matt, how would you sort of play this? And I guess, you know, to couch it, it kind of depends on what the rest of your team looks like. But what do you think is in store for Jones and Dillon against the Rams in Week 12? Um, I, I don't understand why they would play Jones. It doesn't make sense. They get the bye coming up. Dillon's the guy I would prefer if they're both active this week because I think they'd probably be, be careful with Jones. So I prefer uh, – I prefer Dylan either way, and if you have Jones and you don't have a better, safer play, then you're going to play him if he's active. But uh, I didn't draft Jones this year. I do have Dylan, and, uh, yeah, I'm planning on playing him. And I, I just don't believe Jones is fully healthy yet, and it doesn't make sense for them to expose him uh, with the bye coming up next week. So we'll see. We'll see if they if he is healthier than I think he is, but that's kind of where I'd sit on it. I have I have said on this show multiple times, I am about two Aaron Rodgers passes southeast of Lambeau Field here in northeast Wisconsin. And <laughs> the Packers are notorious or, or maybe um, infamous is a better word, or, or perhaps it, it's a good thing. It's a good connotation um, that they have a very, very cautious medical staff. Originally, sprain MCL, uh, MCL for Aaron Jones was expected to knock him out one or two weeks. This would be bringing him back pretty quick. You've seen the, the, the path they've taken with Zedaria Smith, with Jair Alexander, with David Bakhtiari. Would they bring back Aaron Jones for this week, given that they have the bye next week? My inkling says no. Aaron Nagler, who covers the Packers for Cheesehead TV, which is a great uh, Packers uh, at Cheesehead TV, and, of course, CheeseheadTV.com, great place for Packers news. He said today, uh, that he would be surprised if Aaron Jones was active tomorrow. And I guess I look back on the Packers' history, I kind of expect Aaron Jones to be inactive as well. I think it's going to be an A.J. Dillon week. The Packers, to me, strike me as a team that believes that, yeah, it would be nice to get the number one seed in the playoffs, but they believe they can beat anywhere, anyone, anywhere, as long as they have Aaron Rodgers uh, healthy, which is what they do right now and which is what they want to do. So I think they are probably going to sit uh, Jones. If I had Aaron Jones and I had a, a, a decent option, um, I'm probably playing him in, those, in that 1 o'clock time frame. I'm for sure playing A.J. Dillon. He's locked into my starting lineups for sure. Um, I'm not counting on Aaron Jones as anything more than a desperation play. Farrell, how do you read this situation? Bucky, I tell you what, there's nothing else that I can legitimately say about this running back situation in Green Bay that you haven't covered splendidly. And you you have your hand on the pulse of, of the Packer moves. And, and I love that what you said, that Packers can win anywhere and go on a row uh, and do so. This is the benefit, you know, if, if you've got a team like our guest, it's the benefit of having great running backs. If you've got a team like the Packers, and Dylan is delivering. You know, yeah, keep him out. It is hard. To, it's hard to tell a player not to play in this game. But yeah, keep him on the bench and get ready. That's the trend that we're going to see in football. We're going to see 
um, with this extra game schedule and the three-week IR, we're, we're going to see a lot of players uh, whose time is rationed out to them. And I don't think, you know, in this age of player safety, I don't think it's a bad idea. And, Balky, you are 100% correct about that Packers uh, training room and medical staff. Uh, you take a player in college that's had any type of injury uh, history, he falls completely off the board as a potential Packer. Uh, those guys got to show up with a very, very clean slate uh, to even get in the building as a draft pick. And, and the Packers uh, cannot get out from uh, that Aaron Jones contract until the end of next year. They know they need to count out in 2022 as well. So I do believe they will be on the uh, cautious side here. Matt, as we move from the running back position to the receiver position, I can't remember if you have Tyler Boyd on this ninth place team. I know you got him in a couple of spots right now in the Football Guys Players Championship. Would you recommend Tyler Boyd as a second flex in the FFPC to other players, uh, even if Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are both healthy, or would you only look to start him uh, if one of those players is inactive for a, for a Bengals game? No. No, I, I've moved on. I, I like Tyler Boyd coming into the year. I thought they would play at a quicker pace than they played, and I thought they would uh, throw the ball more. <clears throat> I thought he would, was a pretty, pretty good value where he was going. I don't have him in this team. Uh, I do have him in one of my FFPC teams, maybe two of them, actually. I think he fell cheaper in uh, the FFPC than he was in, in uh, the other the other contests I play with. But uh, I've moved on from Tyler Boyd. I don't have him starting for me in, in any of the teams I have him, and he was one of my one of my worst picks coming into the year. And I'm with you, Matt. I don't think there's a better receiver who's a worse fantasy player <laughs> to possibly have uh, than Tyler Boyd. Very good footballer. Terrible fantasy year. Um, you know, my uh, question I wanted is, is in importance, it's a little less now because of what we've learned from uh, Darren Waller. It's not a significant knee injury. It's an IT band sprain, which probably means that he just needs some rest. But I'm going to talk about it anyway because my, my favorite waiver wire uh, play that I made this year uh, was in week seven, my Sunday morning uh, miracle where I – uh, moved aggressively to uh, grab Foster Moreau and put him in lineups and was rewarded with 21 points um, nice. from the from uh, the LSU tight end. You know, very familiar here in Kentucky uh, with all these SEC players, and I I never I I could never remember him doing anything at LSU or catching the ball when they threw it to him and finding the end zone, and he did it when he got a chance to play. This is a player that was a health of you know you you say you cannot you can't take these elite tight ends and handcuff them and I think we found out with Moreau that in some ways you can uh, is Moreau possibly a guy that you would look to roster as you get ready to take this and your other uh, playoff teams uh, throughout the championship. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, if you need a tight end, it just depends what your situation is because it looks like Waller might not be out too long. But, uh, mm-hmm. like, um, for example, in my FFPC2, I've got uh, I've got Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, and Pat Firemouth, so I don't have room for him. But in, oh, my, right. in my first one, I don't have any good tight ends. So uh, David Njoku starting. So 
Uh, yeah, in uh, that 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 one, I'll be going after Moreau just on the chance that he even gives me an, a, a week fill in because he's, like you said, he's probably the tight uh, the top tight end uh, handcuff out there. If, if uh, Waller's not in the lineup, you feel pretty good about uh, playing him for sure. Um, congratulations on that collection of tight ends, by the way. That is fantastic stuff. Uh, in yeah. that one. Oh, that team nice is still not making the playoffs. It's still not going to make the playoffs. So. <laughs> Well, you never. Well, I, okay, you never know, but uh, but certainly you know better than we do as far as how your teams are doing for sure, Matt. Um, let's move on. Talk about the Baltimore Ravens running back situation. It's kind of cleared up. Um, Baltimore apparently no longer trusts Tyson Williams. They've cut Le'Veon Bell. Uh, it's Devontae Freeman and it's Latavius Murray when he's healthy. Do you see either one of these guys separating himself down the stretch to, to become a solid flex in, in FFPC leagues? Or is this simply a timeshare the rest of the way? Uh, yeah, I've got Freeman in three of my leagues, and I, I like him on my bench. Uh, if if I have to play him, I'm okay with that. I prefer him to Latavius Murray uh, just because he's getting more of the pass down work, obviously getting lots, getting none of it. Uh, I don't, I don't love it. Like I said, I'd rather have him on my bench, which I, which I do. But I think he's probably looking like an RB two rest of the way. Just how sketchy uh, the RB two landscape is for me. I, I really only want to play two running backs in every contest. I want to flex wide receivers, so I'm looking to play as few running backs as I possibly can. So a guy like Freeman, he's either going in my RB two or he's not going in my lineup at all. So I do like Freeman in that, uh, in that range, but I just, like I said, I'm playing as few running backs as, as I have to. You know, I almost scratched this last question, but since you said that, I'm going to bring it up. What, when you go to the waiver wire and, and, and you did this past Wednesday, I'm sure. And, and perhaps you're not going to tell us too much because you're going to go back there on Sunday but what I see left is at the wide receiver position, and I see some intriguing guys there. Would you like to share with us just anyone uh, that you think that, that you did go hard for uh, in this past week's waiver wire, considering that you have any fab budget remaining? Yeah, uh, I picked up uh, MVS in my prime time. <clears throat> I think a guy that's – Maybe available a little bit more is Russell Gage. He's got a good matchup this week against Jacksonville. Yeah. Ridley's out, so I would probably say he, he was a guy I, I picked up in a, in a league where uh, I needed a fill-in for CeeDee Lamb. So he was probably my favorite wide, re- wide receiver that was widely available this week. Uh, MBS is kind of a guy, you know, boomer bust type thing, uh, and he might not be available as much anyways. But uh, I, I'd say Gage just off the top of my head. Uh, I didn't. It wasn't really a crazy active fab week for me. I was just kind of tweaking with my kickers and defenses, and I uh, speculated on Taysom Hill in a couple leagues, just looking into the next few weeks. Just uh, mm-hmm. uh, one of the leagues, I've got Tannehill, who's just been terrible, and the other, I've got Russ, who who I think is going to be okay, but he, I just want uh, someone like Hill in case Russ doesn't get it get it together here. So uh, Taysom Hill, I thought, was kind of intriguing just based on his uh, upside maybe for weeks 13, 14, 15 if they go to him, which hopefully if he's healthy enough, uh, they, they will soon. Matt, you brought up Ryan Tannehill, um, which mm. lead into we, – we have one email for you this week that we're going to ask right now. Um, it's from John in Texas City, Texas. Now, I was faced with Ryan Tannehill being my only quarterback – 
um, in uh, a Kentucky uh, semifinal this week. And I did not feel great about it at all. In fact, I felt downright terrible. I went out. I had enough money. And I bought successfully Cam Newton off the waiver wire. So I'm feeling yeah, a little bit better about that. Job. However, thank you, Farrell. I appreciate that. However, A.J. Brown uh, is listed as out. John in Texas City, Texas, wants to know, hey, Matt, is there any value in the Tennessee passing game with Brown now out as well for Week 12? Good luck in football, guys. That is John in Texas City, Texas. Patriots defense is, is pretty good, as they showed on, on Thursday night uh, this past week. Matt, can you make a case for Tannehill or any of these Titans receivers this week? Uh, thanks, John, and I love Texas, first of all. Um, I I know Westbrook Eheen or whatever you have, you pronounce his last name, is another oh, kind yeah. of interesting wide receiver, but I wouldn't play him, and I know he's coming off the 100-yard game. Uh, I wouldn't play any of those guys other than Hilliards. That's the only guy I'd feel good about playing. Uh, yeah, I, I maybe for future weeks, if uh, A.J. Brown can't get back on the field, maybe Westbrook, uh, that guy, is, is intriguing, but not this week. Not this week. You know what's so funny about that, too, when you think about it? So A.J. Brown is out with a chest injury. Julio Jones already on injured reserve. Marcus Johnson, who had that really big week, um, is out for the season. I, did he have a ligament injury? I, I know it's a season ender for him. You mentioned uh, Westbrook Hakini, which I guess is out there. But the fact that Chad Schroeder has Dontrell Hilliard in his flex spot and the fact that Dontrell Hilliard can catch passes, you've got to wonder if they're going to be starting to look at to, uh, to Dontrell Hilliard for like a double-digit reception week or something insane like that, right? This week, and that might think be so. the only value there. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I think so. But certainly the, the tea leaves are there. Uh, if you read them, um, I, I think it makes sense for a big week from Hilliard. If Chad Schroeder Do I play Dontrell goes. Hilliard over Antonio Gibson? All right, so that's a good question. So that's oh it. And gosh. I think we have we – have, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um Let's let's do this right now, Farrell. As long as as long as Matt's bringing this up, I'm going to go to the emails right now. We have an email from Sean in Beltsville, Virginia, who I assume is maybe a WFC fan. He's wondering with JD McKissick getting worked in more, would you guys bench him in Week 12 over Melvin Gordon? Happy holidays. That's Sean in Beltsville, Virginia. So this is interesting, okay? Because we have a situation where number one, this guy has JD McKissick. He doesn't say if he has. Um, Sean doesn't say if he has uh, Antonio Gibson uh, or not. But we have a situation where he's got to decide, look, what am I doing here um, at running back? Do I go with Melvin Gordon, who has, has been the 1B, the Javante Williams 1A, as they take on the Chargers uh, in, um, in the Mile High City this week? Or do you go with McKissick, who's been getting worked in more, and he is at home against the Seahawks? Farrell, how do you feel about this, McKissick versus Melvin Gordon, number one? Oh, Sean, you can rest. Nobody loves J.D. McKissick more than I do, but you can put Melvin Gordon. That's a real NFL running back. He's probably carried the ball 120, 130 times this year. I know he's got five TDs. He's got a lot of catches. And who's he playing, Balky? Who does Denver have this weekend? Uh, Denver has the Chargers, man. Los Angeles Chargers, a little revenge game action there, Balky. There you yep. go. That, that's where we need to be. We're just Melvin Gordon all the way, sure. Okay, so we are of one mind on that. I would definitely be playing Gordon over McKissick. When it comes to Gibson versus Hilliard, Matt, I can't in like and, and I know like it, everything's on the line this week, right? You, and you, you you throw 
projections and rankings out the window. I can't, and I'm a pretty conservative guy by nature. As yes, FYI. you are. I, I cannot envision myself benching Antonio Gibson in favor of Dontrell Hilliard this week. Farrell, do you agree with me? I agree with you guys 100%. And I, I will tell you this, Balky. I, I, you know, you two, Chad Schroeder lives in lovely Omaha, Nebraska, but he has timeshare purchases in both of your brains. I tell you, Chad is getting in you guys. And, and, you know, he's visiting for Thanksgiving. He might linger there through the holidays if you, if you guys don't figure out a way to get him back to Omaha. So, you know, just just want to throw that out there. I am going to um, send him an email and say, listen, man, you've been living rent-free in my head for several years now. I'm going to have to start charging you at some point. And uh, he certainly has the cash to back that up. Farrell, I am fresh out of emails. I do believe we have one final question for Matt. Oh, it's a question. And, you know, we may have already touched on these guys, so you're going to have to dig deep, brother. But I tell you what, who is the stud that is absolutely going to turn into a dud? Yeah, the Thanksgiving leftover that you don't want this weekend in your lineup. And then we talked about a lot of sleepers. We're going deep. You know, I, I could see them coming out of the Tennessee game. Uh, those are some sleepers we've already talked about. Please go find me another sleeper. I need a sleeper that's going to really hit a home run this weekend and a guy that you might have drafted early that you really aren't too excited about. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say the uh, the guy I drafted early that I'm not too excited to put in who's never matched his projected points, and that would be Saquon. I do have him in one league. Oh, yeah. And I just every, – every week you put him in if he's healthy, but – I don't think he's going to reach his projection, projection again. Uh, also, I've got everyone's back on the Brandon Ayuk train. I'm a little leery of that. It's a good matchup this week, so I'm playing him. But uh, I, if I could sell him where people are projecting him to go right now, I probably mm-hmm. would probably would because they've got Debo and Kittle there, and Mitchell will get healthy at some point probably, and they'll probably they're, they're just a run first team. So. I don't know if Ayuk's going to be consistently good going forward like people seem to think he, he is based off the couple recently good games. Um, my sleeper I wrote down was uh, Russell Gage. I already, I already mentioned him. Uh, I'll throw out Hayden Hurst just because I think there will be some points scored in that game. I don't know. That, that's kind of an interest, uh, interesting game to look into, though, just uh, maybe some periphery players on uh, those offenses with Agnew out of the mix somebody's probably going to get some, some points for Jacksonville going against Atlanta this week. And uh, with Ridley out uh, for Atlanta, same same thing. And maybe it's going to be uh, all, all the, the Zacchaeus fellow there or, or someone like Hayden Hurst. I, actually, I think Hayden Hurst might be might be out now that I, now that I say that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, R- Russell Gage was the guy I wrote down, but that, that game might be worth looking at, I think, just We're for some sticking with players. Very good. Noted Russell Wilson fan and the pride of Canada, as well as uh, Veterans Affairs Canada as well. Matt Breeden joining us tonight on the show. Certainly cannot thank you enough, uh, Matt, for for making a little time on this uh, holiday weekend for us, just a normal weekend for you uh, up in the Great White North. Um, I do want to wish you the best of luck in the Football Guys Players Championship the rest of the way. You're already in the top ten. We'll see what happens uh, with that half-million-dollar grand prize over the next you know, month, month and a half, and, and hopefully the ball bounces your way. Good luck to you this weekend, and uh, thanks for all your insight, man. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again hopefully real soon. 
I appreciate it. Great talking to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Matt. Happy Thanksgiving, indeed. Matt Breeden, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining us on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. A lot of great insight from him, Farrell. Yes, um, sir. And, and I think that, you know, the, the, you know what, what's cool about him is, you know, and I know he's done it with baseball, but he has won a thousand-team national competition for football before. He has won a several thousand competition in baseball before. So he kind of knows what it takes. He knows. And he said, um, you know, kind of like when he won that online championship several years ago, he's like, you know, I kind of, the next couple of years, I kind of realized it was a little fluky. I don't necessarily think it's fluky. I think you put your team in the best possible position to win. And then if the ball bounces your way, Hey, you could be cashing a six figure grand prize. Sure. And humble and gracious champions are the kind of guys that you want to, you want to be around, but you know, yeah, you can tell by talking with him. He knows his stuff. He he's throwing out now. He's giving us Russell Gage. I I you know, good friend Brad Taylor who works uh, WLEX in Lexington uh-huh. has me on from time to time. He asked me to give him some sleepers. I, I gave Russell Gage and one other player one weekend, and they both went out and put up zeros. And then Russell Gage <laughs> put up zeros again. And then uh, somebody called the station and says, Taylor, why are you calling this guy an expert? You know, so I don't know about this Russell Gage because these donuts that Russell Gage puts up, two, since I recommended him, uh, he'll probably go out and have a big game. Matt's probably right. I think we should, I think if we got to have a sleeper, we can throw uh, Russell Gage one more opportunity and hope that we don't get a donut from him. Yeah, and I hope he doesn't this week. I, I think I might be forced to play him in one league. I have him rostered in probably close to a half dozen leagues. After the Calvin Ridley situation, I went out and I picked him up, um, it, it, you know, when I could for cheap. And it just makes sense, right, you know, that he would be able to put up points. Only Kyle Pitts is, is the only other real threat on that team to catch passes. Tajay Sharp had that one good week. But Gage is on my roster. He's ready to be deployed, but I'm with you. You know, I, I just don't get why he's putting up these bagels. He gets the Jacksonville Jaguars in Florida this week. We'll see what happens there. I do want to ask you, and I know we're up against the hour here. We're going to rapid fire with these last uh, uh, several questions here. But I just want to touch on Cole Komet, Carol. Uh, he gets 11 targets yesterday on Thanksgiving against the Detroit Lions. He turns that into eight catches for 65 yards. That uh, tar- the 11 targets that was a career high for Komet. But you think about the week before, one catch, 12 yards. I don't get it. I don't know if he could, he could be an every week start at the flex position in in the Football Guys Players Championship. I and and maybe this is just a layup answer here for you that I'm t- I'm teeing you up for. Is he just a mix and match, play him when the matchup's good, bench him when the matchup's bad? Well, you don't know when the matchup is going to be good because he's just quarterback dependent and situational dependent against the defense. So maybe yes, maybe the, that is the answer to the question. But, you know, this guy came in the league at 21 years old, bulky, he's six foot six, 260 pounds. His, his uh, targets have increased over the last three games, as well as Jimmy Graham, who's made a couple nice catches and including a touchdown. The problem with Komet's the same problem we approached with the Chicago receivers as we talked about them last week. Nobody's scoring the ball. Komet has yet to find the end zone. You think, my goodness, this is the world's greatest red zone target. He's another baby drunk. <laughs> no touchdowns for this player. Next year is your year for Cole Komet. If he's on your roster, you're going to leave him there. If you have to play him, you might just get a miracle like you did uh, against Detroit. You never know when you're going to get that. Let's get into another tight end question. This is from Terry in Boise. Not sure if he's uh, friends with uh, former football guys, uh, players champion, 
John Zaleski there, but uh, he well, writes. Who isn't? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. How big is Boise? I mean, that's not that's not a yeah, massive metropolitan no. area, is it? It's a great place to go. Great place to see college football. I love the boys. Yeah, what, what are they? The Broncos, Farrell, Boise State. Yes, sir. They are the Broncos. They got a blue field. They got a nice stands. They got and they got genuinely cold weather whenever you get there, so it's good. Yeah, that's my type of place. I'm going to have to get out. Mm-hmm. Montana, I got to get out for that Montana-Montana state rivalry game. It could uh, one happen. Of these years. I've heard good things about that, and I'll just hit up uh, Idaho on the way. Anyway, we'll say hi to Terry when we're out there. He writes, is yep. Austin Hooper a sneaky start this week? My other Austin option Hooper. is Evan Engram. Yeah, Austin oh. Hooper. Um, <laughs> so, Hooper is at Baltimore this week. And then you're looking at Evan Engram, who um, I believe is um, – Oh, God, the, the Eagles. Uh, Eagles. Eagles, at home. Fairly yeah. playing Engram or Hooper. I'm leaning towards Hooper. Whichever way you lean here, you're leaning the wrong way. How did this happen where these players both got on this roster? They can't – you know, I <laughs> – I'm like, you know, I would start the one with the most catches for the year. No, you can't do that. They both got 28 catches. Here's, you know, at one point in time, Austin Hooper was a 70 plus uh, receiver. Uh, you know, it, uh, Ingram's out of Ole Miss, Hooper's out of Stanford, and they're both realizing careers that are less than they should be. You know, Hooper made the decision as a free agent to sign with Cleveland, so the fault is all his. It gives meaning to his own mistake by the lake. I don't know who you play in this game. I don't, you know, I might just out of protest leave the tight end spot vacant and get ready, you know, August 26th is when we start live play in the KFFSC in Louisville, and uh, I can't wait for September 8th. That's when we'll be in Las Vegas. So, you know, let's 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 just think about next year. Or go to that waiver <laughs> wire and try to get some cold commit. But, yeah, um, no. yeah. I mean, Balky, what would what would you do? I mean, well, Evan Ingram is the player. Evan Ingram is the type player that'll get your coaching staff fired. Okay, so you know <laughs> he's already he's already achieved that, and you know there's just not there's just not much we can say about Hooper, who's locked into a situation with three other or two at least two other tight ends, one of which in Joku is a better. Uh, physicality as an athlete, but, uh, you know, Bramish, he was starting in Joku somewhere. Uh, Hooper has been that offensive scheme and that quarterback. It's, it's just, it's just a disaster for both these players. I, I, I would agree with you, Farrell. This is not what we call an ideal situation for fantasy football no. at all. And, and, and I'll just break this down here. We know Jarvis Landry came back to practice yesterday, so it sounds like he's going to play. Donovan Peoples-Jones gets in a couple of limited practice. It sounds like he's going to play. What I do know, neither one of these guys sounds like they're, they're fully healthy at all, which to me would suggest that you're going to lean on Austin Hooper more in order to matriculate the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, hashtag Hank, Hank Stram on that. Um, but then you look at the Giants. Sterling Shepard probably not going to play. Kadarius Toney probably not going to play. It's sort of like Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, and Evan Engram, and that's it. I just feel like with, with more of the targets going to Austin Hooper over the last couple of weeks, I have a slight lean to Hooper over Evan Engram there. That's the way I fall in on it. We already answered um, Sean in Beltsville, uh, Virginia's question. Let's go to Mark and Pace in Utah. Dear Farrell and Balky, normally I've been rolling with Carson Wentz, but it's Taylor mm-hmm. Heineke's matchup 
too good to pass up this week. All right, so you look at uh, Taylor Heineke this week, Farrell. Uh, he actually gets uh, to go against the Seattle Seahawks at home. Mm-hmm. And then Carson Wentz this week, which, and I'll, I'll interject this real quick. Have you been watching the new Hard Knocks, in-season Hard Knocks with the Colts on, on HBO? You know, Robbie Fetcher swears by it and is begging me to, and I've got to get to it. It's, I just watched episode two right before the show uh, started tonight. It's good stuff. Good stuff mm-hmm. on Jonathan Taylor, Darius Leonard, Carson Wentz. Good stuff on Frank Wright. We saw uh, a Steve Tasker and Bruce Smith appearance this past week. That was pretty cool. Uh, so I'm liking it. I, I, I think it's really good. In any event, Carson Wentz at home against the Buccaneers or Taylor Heineke at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Bucky, this was easy when we start looking at what it's going to take to be in the game. First of all, Heineke's got the matchup. That's what you're talking about. But he's got – he doesn't have to look for a lot of ways to beat Seattle. Seattle, the way things are going right now, just may self-destruct and defeat themselves. But this is a real step-up opportunity for Carson Wentz. This is a situation where he's going to have to match – he, you know, he's going to have to match the goat. He's going to have to. Brady's going to put points on the board, and, and Indy has got to answer. Um, you know, I I really like the challenge that is being presented against the Bucks secondary. Uh, so Carson Wentz is an easy choice. This one even this shouldn't even be a contest in who you're going to start. Heineke's got the opportunity to put together a good game, but Carson Wentz is challenged to step up and have a game of his life. And then that's what you want to do. You want to swing for the fences. You'll, you'll want to do it with Carson Wentz this week. Yeah, and, and I think I would lean that way as well. Um, no, Bucky, we don't know, want he, you leaning. We want you jumping off the high dive into the Carson Wentz pool. You've got to really get in there. you got to get your head wet. you got to <laughs> you know, do it, baby. Do it. If it, Carson if it comes with between dipping my toes in the Wentz pool or diving head first – into to, into the Wentz pool. I am definitely diving head first. I'm much closer yeah, to that we're talking. the spectrum yeah, we're than, than dipping my toes in for sure. All right, final email we have tonight after we get that image out of our minds. It's Josh <laughs> in Boston. Which Rams receiver should I go with Rams? this weekend against the pack? Odell Beckham or mm-hmm. Van Jefferson? Josh in Boston, yeah. thank you so much. This has been an interesting conversation I've had. Um, on, on, on the airwaves this week in northeast Wisconsin as the Packers get ready to face the Rams. I'm not so sure we can write off Van Jefferson yet as far as fantasy goes here. Even after the bye week, Odell Beckham getting the chance to sort of get more in tune with the playbook, get ready. I, you know, Van Jefferson's had a lot longer time to develop chemistry with Matthew Stafford than Odell Beckham. And I, and I still think he might be an interesting play this week. Well, number one, it's Cooper Cup, right? Because Cooper Cup, yeah. Kevin King's doubtful for this game. I think Cooper Cup is going to run circles around Eric Stokes. But when it comes to the next guy, I think it still might be Jefferson over Beckham this week. Farrell, how do you see this? No, you're 100% right, Barky. Uh, seven targets in the last three games for Jefferson. He's hauled in three or four catches. He's a He's he's playing the role. He stepped up into the Woods opportunity. He's far from the player Woods is. You know, nobody wants to talk about wide receiver blocking, but it does a lot of things for all of these Rams, what Woods did on the field. He's gone. Jefferson's stepping up. There's a lot of big responsibilities. Beckham has no responsibilities other than to get open Beckham. And there will be a few plays that, that there could be like that. You saw Diggs score the touchdown uh, this weekend when he turned the corner inside out one-on-one. 
there could be a Beckham opportunity that way, and that's what he brings to this team. But Jefferson is – this offense is built around a receiver like Woods, receiver like Jefferson. Jefferson's got all the reason to step up, and the team wants him to. Jefferson is your guy that's going to be targeted, and I, too, expect him to have a big game. Doesn't mean Beckham can't have one, but, you know, Beckham's uh, – Every game that Beckham plays, he gets a little bit closer to filing for his severance, which is now $30,000 per league season, by the way. Oh, boy. Mm. I, yeah, that's a good uh, – definitely something to keep in mind uh, as well there, Farrell. Bring in the reel, as you always do. I certainly appreciate <laughs> everything you brought to the table tonight. This was good stuff. I hope you – well, I know you had a happy Thanksgiving Yes, sir. Um, based on uh, what you told me tonight. We will do this again next Friday as we kick off that uh, venerable month of December where yes. uh, champions are, are, are made and, and forged and, and live forever. And that is what we will be talking about. We have another great uh, guest coming up next Friday as well, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend, and we'll talk again soon. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, uh, hanging out with us tonight. And uh, check out the KFFSC at kffsc.com as well as following him on Twitter at Elliott and the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC. I want to thank Farrell Elliott. I want to thank Matt Breeden for hopping aboard the ninth place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. I want to thank the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you uh, to um, wake up, have a cup of coffee, get out of that uh, turkey coma, food coma, Thanksgiving coma, unless you're Canadian like Matt Breeden, uh, where it was just a normal weekend for him. And uh, tuning in tonight live, uh, it was a pleasure doing this show for you uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to remind you to listen to the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with Craig Bodenmiller. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast as well. Good stuff from Craig, good redraft conversation. And then, like I said uh, at the top of the show, Good, refreshing dynasty conversation as well. We'll be back next Friday, 10, 9 Central. We will have the 11th place team owner in the Football Guys Players Championship. The one, the only, Mark Fisher. will hop aboard these airwaves. Your holiday weekend continues now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. One, one thing I didn't bring up last week as we led into Thanksgiving, I don't want to make a big deal out of this because literally every other radio show and podcast is making a big deal out of this, sometimes spending 15, 20, 25 minutes uh, thanking everybody. We're not going to do that tonight. But I do want to shout out um, a, a heartfelt thank you to all the people that make this show possible. I already gave thanks to a lot of the people uh, already. But um, the, the biggest people in this show is not possible without each and every one of you streaming, downloading, hopping in the chat, sending questions, uh, making the show relevant um, in the high-stakes space. We were one of the first high-stakes podcasts out there. Um, not the first, but one of the first, and we continue, you know, keeping on, keeping on, uh, you know, 10 years in and uh, showcasing the best and the brightest high-stakes fantasy football players on this program each and every week. And I really appreciate all the support 
Uh, you guys are, are awesome. You guys and you women, everybody uh, out there, uh, it, it's, it's just been tremendous. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the continued support. And I hope the ball bounces your way this weekend. And you, uh, you make your way up those leaderboards. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a great holiday weekend for fantasy and for your, uh, for your lives in general. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again next Friday.